Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're hungry. Spiritually, we, we hunger for the word of God. And so, Lord, as your under-shepherd, I'm just trying to bring the flock to where the good grass is. And so, Lord, I pray that you would feed the body of Christ. We want to be healthy as we go through 2022. Healthy in our relationship with you and healthy in our relationship with one another. It's gonna make a big impact in this community as we love one another. And so I pray that people that are in Columbus and Colorado County, people that come through this county, that when they come among us, they would say, they are disciples of Jesus Christ because of the way they relate to one another. Bless us as we look into this passage. Feed us, O Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Did you catch when it says in that very first verse, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. I wanna give you six important steps. If the Holy Spirit is really leading my life, really leading your life, then there are six steps that are mentioned here in these verses that I believe we need to be careful we're taking. One step, we should take each day relates to connectivity, connectivity with the Spirit. You know, I believe that our vertical relationship with God through Christ can and should empower and improve our horizontal relationships with our friends, with our church, with our families, with our neighbors and so forth. And so that's why I want us to look at this first verse, connectivity, with the Holy Spirit. Before we get started, it's a little bit dark, and so I'm gonna ask Josh if he would, would you come and turn on this lamp that I brought from the house today? I thought it might be a little dark and I might not be able to see, so if you would turn it on for me, sir. Thank you, appreciate that. Here's the thing, and why did I do that? Because I wanna illustrate what this verse says. Look at the verse carefully. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
See, I believe there's two things about the connectivity of your life and my life every day with the Holy Spirit. The first one is we got to stay plugged in. You know, the Bible says that we, each one of us, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Power's in the house, right? We saw these lights were on. But just because power is available in your life doesn't mean you're plugging in each day. That's why we're told to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so important that every day you and I meet with God and say, Lord, I'm gonna need your power today because in the flesh, I don't have any power, any strength. I don't have joy. I don't have all the fruit of the Holy Spirit so that others will be blessed as I go to work today. I'm gonna need your power. So what I'm saying is, just like we saw with the plug-in, you're going to have to plug into the source of power. Even though it's available to you as a born again believer, you're still gonna to have to every day say, Lord, I wanna plug in today. I don't wanna assume anything. The origin of our life in Christ, just like Jesus said, he's the vine. We're just branches. We do not have life apart from God. So every day we have to reconnect and say, Lord, I'm gonna need your life to be flowing through me. And the way the Lord does that is through the indwelling Holy Spirit that he's placed within us. But then also notice that it, even though the Holy Spirit is there, even though accessible, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step. You know, this is not the same word for walk that is used in verse 16. It's a totally different Greek word. And what it means is God's going somewhere. He's going somewhere and he wants you and me, he wants all of us to go with him. But if God's in motion, we're gonna have to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We're gonna have to stay like the light bulb, properly aligned with the Lord every single day. If you don't properly align your life by keeping your sins confessed and repented of in your life. When you get off track, go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm not lined up properly because I see something short-circuiting your power. The light is not shining from my life today. That's what happens. Have you ever ran across 1 Thessalonians 5.19 and Ephesians 4.30? They also refer to the Holy Spirit. And I think it refers to our personal connectivity to the Holy Spirit each and every day. Let's look at a second essential step. If you want to keep up with the steps, we're at step number two. Step number one was our connectivity. That's the most important one. Connectivity to God. Connectivity to the Holy Spirit. Connectivity to Christ by saying, Lord, I want you to be the strength of my life today. But if you wanna take a second step, then it will flow from the first step. The second step is this, the Spirit will help us with unity so that we can be on the same page together. Do you know that those that are on your pew, those that are in this room, those when we dismiss and we go down the hall or in the Family Life Center for Sunday school and Bible study, you want me to tell you what's going on in some people's lives? Some people have job stress. Some people this year have lost loved ones already. Some lost loved ones last year. Do you know that some people would have family problems? Others would be struggling with sin. 
And they're coming here because they're struggling with sin. They're coming to say, is there victory? Is there any hope? Is there any help? Do you know that also people are dealing with insecurity? And so that's why they may not say anything to you because they're saying, I don't think anybody would want to hear what I have to say. I think that some people are dealing with with procedures and surgeries and sickness and illness and all kinds of things are really burdening them down. Some have been through abuse in their life. Others have just come out of addiction in their life. Others feel rejected. Wherever they feel rejected, they feel rejected. Will they feel accepted if they come here? Some feel discouraged. Will they come to church and feel more discouraged or will they feel encouraged? because they were with God's people. You see, unity can make all the difference in that right there. Have you ever heard this illustration a long time ago? He was my pastor at Travis Avenue Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas. His name was Joel Gregory. He was also a preaching professor at Southwestern Seminary for a while. But Dr. Joel Gregory, back in the day, was preaching about unity across the Southern Baptist Convention, among all the churches, so many churches across this country. And so he gave this illustration of a castle over in Ireland. The castle belonged to a family called the Castle Ray. The Castle Ray. The castle itself was okay, but the peasants all around the castle were pillaging the walls the stones, they were really nice stones. And so whenever the last surviving heir of that uh, Castle Ray family, his name was Lord Londonderry, whenever he noticed how they were pillaging these walls around the castle, he said, I'll not have it. He said, I'm going to hire someone to build a six foot wall all the way around this beautiful castle. So he was gone, it took a number of months but finally it was completed. He came and talked to the foreman and he said, I like the walls. You did a good job. They look really nice, really fine stones. He said, thank you so much. They walked through the gate. He was shocked. Lord Londonderry said, where's the castle? And the guy said, ah, why should I go across Ireland looking for stones when the finest stones in all of Ireland were right here at the castle? I just used the stones from the castle to build a wall. You know, sometimes, isn't it that we are, we're trying to build a fence, but in the process, we can lose everything. You know, in their opposition to false doctrine, in their opposition to the works of the flesh, it was possible that these Galatian disciples and believers were wounding one another and they were, they were uh, hurting one another with living in the flesh. Wouldn't you say that one of the most tragic realities of war is what they term friendly fire? When it's like nobody intended that to happen. But one, one army, one team shoots another team member. It's sad when that happens. I see this as being something related when he says, let us not become conceited. Provoking one another, it means being combative, it means being critical, it means trying to start something, provoking one another, envying one another. See what he's saying here is he's going back over what he's already covered. Resist the flesh. The flesh has been crucified in Christ. 
Christ should be on the throne in our hearts and in our lives. We should not allow the flesh to come back and in charge because if he is allowed to get back in charge of a Christian's life, you know what kind of Christian that we will become? Self-centered. We'll become self-focused. We'll become self-absorbed, self-satisfying. Those three terms that are mentioned there, that's what he's talking about. Someone who is all about self. And when you get a nation all about self, when you get a church all about self, when you get a marriage that's all about self, I'm telling you, it's not going to work. And the Lord knows that. So we have to resist the flesh. Keep walking with the Spirit. The Spirit will help you in that struggle against the flesh. But what if someone falls? Look at verse 1 carefully. If someone falls, we don't say, that's all right, gather around, let's all stomp on them. Let's all hurt them and beat them. We'll teach them a lesson. That's not what I see biblically here. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, you who are still filled with God's Spirit, you who are directed by God's Spirit, you who have the fruit of the Spirit, here's what he says, you should restore him. Notice restoration is the goal. Restore him, how? In a spirit of gentleness, but also keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Wow, this is amazing. So resist the flesh and restore the fallen. And when you restore the fallen, you say, okay, I need to stay focused on God. I need to stay filled of God's spirit. I need to keep my eyes on Christ and I need to be gentle. And I also need to be cautious because it could happen to me. But also notice, if we're gonna have unity in the spirit, we must also reinforce the faint. Just like I mentioned earlier, the people in this church family are real. These people have brokenness in their lives. They have burdens in their lives. And so listen to what the word of God says, those who are filled with God's spirit, those who are led by God's spirit, those who are keeping in step with God's spirit, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. That's what church should be like, where we reinforce the faint. That word burden there is like a heavy weight. And so we're supposed to keep on bearing. It's present tense. It never ends because people are always going to have burdens. Did you notice plural there? Most of the people around you, in let's say just a circumference of, of 10 feet or so around you, they've got multiple burdens on their hearts. And that's why when they come to church, we should take them by the hand. We should say, I'm glad you're here. We should say, man, is there any way I could pray for you? You know, Sunday school classes are a great way to take it to the next level of depth. To say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna be a part of caring about other people. But that's gonna cause us to have to take a third step. There's unity in the spirit and connectivity with the spirit, but there's also humility through the spirit. If someone is truly walking in step with the Holy Spirit, will they be prideful or will they be humble? in their relationship with others. When I was at Southwestern, one of my professors was Dr. Curtis Vaughn. He was a New Testament professor. And he, he pointed out that in this verse three, for if anyone thinks he's something, 
when he's nothing, he deceives himself. I didn't realize this because I know that deceives is used in other places in the Bible, right? But this is a very unique word, deceives himself. It's self-deception. And here's what he wrote about it. He said, deceives himself is nowhere else used in the whole New Testament. It refers to filling the mind with fantasies about yourself, persuading oneself of the existence of something which has no reality. You ever, what's your self-talk like? What's going on in your head? Are you thinking, I'm so much better than all these people? Or do you genuinely feel we're all on the same level? We're all standing at the foot of the cross. How can someone be prideful with God, let's say, when they're breathing God's air every single day? What if God just shut down the air? You think we would survive? What if God shut down the water on this planet? Do you think we would survive? I wonder what would happen if we just took away these from your life. How prideful could anyone be without the following? What if we just totally drained every checking account, savings account, everything you had, all your assets in one day, suddenly gone? What if you lost your job? at the same time, so you could not make additional income? What if suddenly the whole thing was so stressful, you lost your eyesight and you can't see? What if the next morning you got ready to get up and you lost mobility? Your legs don't work this day. Well, what about if suddenly, I don't know if it was a stroke or what, but suddenly your mind, you just can't think straight, you can't reason. How prideful would we, all these are gifts from a loving creator. And that's why I think we should get our identity not in our things. We should get our identity in Christ. God made us. He made you, every one of you. You're a special creation. He gave you all those gifts that you have. But also think about this. He gave his son to die on a cross for you and for me. And so I'm thinking, that's amazing when we sing how marvelous, how amazing that God would love somebody like me. I'm telling you, it should be personalized and you should think within yourself, I gotta sing it louder. I don't care if the guy in front of me turns around and says, what is that? Sound like an animal dying back there. Just say, I don't care, he's been good to me. I'm gonna sing it with all my heart. Oh, let me tell you, it's powerful whenever people realize how grateful. We should be grateful for all that God has given to us. One of my favorite preachers from the past was a black pastor named S.M. Lockridge. I loved hearing him preach. He came to Union University when I was a student there. And did you know he was born actually in uh, Robertson County, just north of College Station? But this man used of God in the past, he's, he's in glory now. I remember him saying one time that Moses was really trained. I mean, he was sharp. He was raised in Egypt, you know, with the nicest family, had everything, but Moses needed to study to get his B.N. degree. His B.N. degree, not a bachelor of nursing. He needed to get his B. nothing degree. And so even though he had all that stuff going for him, he still needed to learn, without God, I'm nothing, nothing. Do you ever feel like you're really something? 
Apart from God, apart from Christ, we should say, oh Lord, you're the one who's given me all that I have. Wow. Also, I noticed that a spirit-directed life will also grow in integrity. Look at verse four. Here's another step. Integrity by the spirit. You know, even though someone would claim, hey, I'm being led by the spirit here. I'm a spiritual person. Do you know that person still needs to be submissive to the scriptures? I'm sorry. I, the, the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures. And so the Holy Spirit is not going to lead you or me or anyone to contradict what God has already objectively written for us and revealed to us through the scriptures. And so we have to still stay submissive to the scriptures. It kind of reminds me, you remember the boxer Muhammad Ali? How one time Muhammad Ali got on an airplane and he was so excited. He was always full of, you know, life and so forth. But the stewardess walks by and say, she didn't even know who he was. And she said, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to buckle your seatbelt. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she looked at him and she said, Superman don't need no airplane. Buckle up. You know, so anyway, it's like you still have to go by what God has written, even if you are a spiritual Superman out there. Notice the conscientiousness about the quality of my life. I should be testing my life. You know, what we often want to do is test other people's lives. But here's the thing God says, no, you should be saying, let each one test his own work. So every day I should be saying, Lord, am I where I'm supposed to be? Because I think integrity begins with inspection. So I inspect my life each day and say, Lord, am I becoming more of a man of integrity? Am I becoming more of a woman of integrity? More of a student of integrity, a child of integrity? Do you have that conscientiousness? But also I wanna warn you of the deadliness of comparison. Comparing yourself to someone else. Second Corinthians 10, 12 says, those who compare themselves to other people, they're not wise. It's not a good idea for you to go around comparing yourself to other people. I can't sing like them. I can't teach like them. I can't witness like them. You know, I don't seem to have the joy they have. When you're constantly comparing yourself to other people, you're cross-threading with this verse. It says, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Wow. You know, I read where one scholar even said, you know what, really, if you think about it, if we are inspecting our own lives every day and saying, am I, am I growing in integrity before the Holy Spirit? You're probably not going to want to boast. You're probably going to stay humble and you're going to say, Lord, you know what? I, I really need you again today. Would you help me this day? A fifth step with the Holy Spirit, he will direct us to take responsibility under the Spirit. Did you find it interesting when Josh was preaching to us about the work of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit? Did you find it interesting that one, one description of the nine different descriptions of the Holy Spirit was self-control? It didn't say spirit control. The spirit is gonna help me and you, each one of us to have self-control. You ever known anybody that did not have self-control? They're not walking in the spirit. 
And so I'm thinking, okay, so what is my responsibility? Well, let's look at verse five. For each will have to bear his own load. Now, does that contradict what we just read in verse two, where it said, bear one another's burdens, bear one another's burdens. And now I'm reading in verse five, for each will have to bear his own load. What's the difference? The difference is in the Greek language. The first word, when it says burdens, means like a boulder, a heavy rock that's coming down on someone's life. But then the second one in verse five, for each will have to bear his own load. It's a backpack. It's a backpack, a soldier's backpack, maybe a student's backpack, a child's backpack when they go to school. You see, all of us have a backpack that we need to accept responsibility and say, you know what, this is my job. I'm not gonna depend on my parents to do this for me. I'm not gonna depend on someone else, the, the government to do this for me. Christopher Caldwell wrote a book called The Age of Entitlement. And he, the subtitle is America since the 60s. Since the 1960s, entitlement has been infecting this land where people just codependencies everywhere. We need to say, Lord, help me to be responsible. As a matter of fact, one man said, it's like a cancerous thought process, void of gratitude and can be deadly to our relationships because all we do in relationships is we become like a leech and we just go and we pull from this one, pull from that one, pull from this one. And yet, the author of Boundaries, you remember the Christian author, one of them named John Townsend? The man who wrote Boundaries wrote a book about entitlement and he called his the entitlement cure. He said, you know what the cure for entitlement is? Work, take responsibility. He said, take the hard way. Don't always look for the easy way and say, could somebody come pull my wagon? I'm sitting back here waiting on somebody to pull it. Get in the harness and say, Lord, help me to take responsibility for what is happening at our church, in our community, in our country. Let me close with one final step identified in verse six, generosity through the spirit. You see, the New Testament is clear. The early church was a giving church. Several references are sprinkled throughout the New Testament on their generosity. But why does God even care? You work hard for your money. I respect that. I really do. All of us here at First Bad, we respect the hard earned dollars and so forth that people work hard for. But why does God care that you don't spend all that on yourself? He cares because of what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. He said, where a man's treasure is, there his heart's gonna be. So if you only invest your treasure in pleasures, if you only invest your treasure in sports, if you only entrust your, entrust your treasures in all kinds of things and gadgets and so forth, that that's where you always spend your hard-earned money. You know where your heart's going? Over there, because that's where your treasure is. But if you say, no, I want to invest some of what I work hard for. I want to invest it in this church. I want to invest it in the ministries, reaching children and teenagers, in reaching senior adults, in helping people grow in Christ, being disciples, reaching more people in our community. I want to be a part of missions. 
I want to support missionaries who have gone out, even some from our church. That's what I think he's saying. See, the biblical principle is those who feed us spiritually should be supported by us financially. It's found in other places like 1 Corinthians 9-11. Where my family is fed is where I want to support what's going on there. Malachi 3.10 puts it this way, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What kind of food? Spiritual food, biblical food. And thereby put me to the test, God says, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing until there's no more need. I believe the Holy Spirit helps us to also spend our money on people other than just self. You see, an early glimpse of the Galatian, this is the book of Galatians, right? An early glimpse of the Galatian Christians and disciples, they were walking together by the Spirit. You can see it in places like Acts 14, 21, 22, and 23. What were they doing? Well, they're just sharing the gospel. They're making disciples. They're strengthening others, encouraging others, gathering in churches. They're praying, they're fasting. And it's, it's interesting that this letter was written after that, that quote that is up there from Acts 14, 21 to 23. And what he's trying to say is keep walking in the Holy Spirit. Don't stop. Here's the next level. Are you, are you taking the steps that we talked about this morning? Are you staying connected with the Holy Spirit? Are you working toward unity in the Spirit among the, the body of Christ? What about humility? Are you characterized by humility or more like arrogance? What about integrity? Are you growing in integrity? What about acceptance of responsibility? Or you say, I'm just looking for another free ride. What about generosity? Are you willing to help others who need to be ministered to in Christ? Let's stand together and give this invitation and then we'll be dismissed today. Lord, thank you so much for this time to respond. I'm just a man. I, I never know when there could be some, um, someone that needs to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit that's in their heart this morning. And so that's why each, each Sunday we always extend an invitation in Christ's name. We don't extend this invitation in my name, in the Baptist's name. We extend this inv invitation in the name of Jesus Christ as a local body of believers. And we say, is there anything the Holy Spirit is saying to you, are you born again? Have you come to Christ through faith as a response to God's grace that Jesus died on the cross, was placed in the tomb and rose again? Lord, please help each person to obey what you're saying they should do in their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.